fell out of the roof. I'm just kidding. I told my, my wife, said, Happy Father's Day today, and I said back to her, Happy Father's Day to you. <clears throat> she says, I'm not a father, and I said, No, I wanted to thank you for all the times that I wasn't the right father, and you were. And uh, you need to, boys need to take a lesson from that, if you would. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> one last thing I forgot to announce, we're having a car wash come up for the kids at camp, and that's going to be uh, July 9th at the hy on 3rd Street. We'll be talking more about that later, but uh, you can uh, plan to bring your car by, and it helps all the kids raise money to go to camp and all the things that we do. And as I've always said, we're going to start here probably next week talking about sponsoring kids to go to camp. Um, every kid that wants to go to camp will go to camp. And uh, so we're just excited about it. But I want to get with you in the book of Proverbs uh, uh, today. And I want to tell you <coughs> going in that there's some key things that you probably want to write down today. I, I've tried to make uh, this book a, a balance between the historical and the doctrinal and then but emphasizing on the practical. <clears throat> last couple of weeks we have been in some real good practical stuff. And you remember last week we had a great practical lesson out of Proverbs chapter 16. I talked about the four key words uh, in our lives as Christians. And I told you that the success of or failure will be based on not only just our understanding these four words, but implementing them into our lifestyle. And you remember that those four words were, uh, the first one was to choose. How that everything in life is based on the choices we make. You know, I deal with a lot of problems in a lot of people's lives, and I certainly my goal is to try to help them. But uh, I, I, I've learned something. I think this is probably the first thing you want to write down. I, I'm probably going to forget to remind you of all of these, but I think the first thing you want to remember is this. Long-term problems always start with short-term bad choices. And that is so true. Our long-term problems, whether it be in our lives or our marriage or with our families or kids, always start with short-term bad choices. And it's, a, it's, it's one of those great things to understand that the life that we have is about the choices we make. Then you remember I talked about <clears throat> the highway of life. Our little fun time we had with the side trips of side roads, getting off the main highway that God has you on. We talked then about the spirit of pride, how that, that leads to an unteachable spirit. And talked about people that you just can't teach anything to. And then we talked about how to be humble and have a humble spirit and how that that always equates into a teachable spirit, being able to take somebody and give them, you know, everything that God wants them to have. And it was based on the verse there that basically said, and I'm paraphrasing now, <clears throat> how much better it is to get wisdom and understanding than silver and gold. In other words, God's wisdom versus the world's standard of what they think wisdom really is. Building a strong core value system based on biblical truth. Learning to use wisdom to get the understanding of any issue that you're going to face in life. I want to tell you something. <clears throat> I don't know where the idea ever got started that once you got saved that all your problems would be over. Truly all your problems are over as far as your eternity is concerned, but once you get saved, the devil is going to make sure that he's going to throw everything in your way to keep you from being whatever God wants you to do. God gave us the Bible. We've talked about this many, many times. And through that Bible comes the wisdom and the understanding that we get that we can <clears throat> understand any issue and face it and get past it that the devil throws our way. Now today we're going to, again, look at some really practical material. And I'm going to tell you, there's some of this stuff in here you just need to really try to get down. <clears throat> It'll really help you. It says in Proverbs chapter 16, and we're going to be in verse 20, <clears throat> 21 and 22 today. It says, He that handleth a matter wisely shall find good, and whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. The wise in heart shall be called prudent, and the sweetness of the lips increaseth learning. Understanding is a wellspring of life unto him that hath it, <clears throat> but the instruction of fools is folly. Father, <clears throat> I come to you today, Father, and ask you to give me what I need today to, to lay out the Word of God. 
help me to have the clarity of thought and to have the clarity of speech and to uh, work around this old infirmity, Lord, uh, of, 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 of a cold, that, uh, Lord, and sickness that comes into our lives because of man's original disobedience to you. I pray, Father, that you'll fill me with the Holy Spirit of God today because in that presence of the Holy Spirit of God, there can be no sickness. And I pray, Father, that you'll give me what I need to do and what I need to say. And I pray for these, these people here today, Lord. I love them very much. There's no greater bunch of people uh, to me on this planet. And Lord, I, I care for them very much. And I, I care for their children very much. And Lord, there's a lot riding, Lord, that we've got to work on in the next couple of weeks or next couple of months. And I pray, Father, that every parent will, will dial in their attention span and their focus on what we need to do. I love you, Lord, and I pray that today you'll make it clear and plain to these good people. And we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. For our sake we ask it. Amen. Now, the Bible is the, fundamentally, is the owner. I know the Bible has a lot of things, but the Bible fundamentally is the owner manual for a working, functioning child of God. It gives us everything that we need. It's our ultimate support system. And today I want to I put together last week's message with today's message and kind of help you glean some great practical truths out of here. Now verse 20 says that he that handleth a matter wisely shall find good, and whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. Now last week as today, we're going to continue with the fundamental concept that the choices we make in life uh, is, uh, you know, is, it will, will constitute how we have to deal with things in life. And without a doubt, the greatest aspect of our Christian witness uh, and our relationship with Christ is, I think, what we do and how we handle things when we don't know people are watching us. You know, we all put up a front to some degree when we know people are watching. I know I do. I, I know when I go someplace and I know that people know I'm a pastor, I may not do some of the goofy things I normally do uh, just because of the fact that I know people get a mindset of what a pastor should be. And I, I like to have fun and everything. Around you guys, that don't matter because, you know, you're stuck with me. But, uh, but it's a thing where you always try to, you know, be aware of, of the surroundings around you. Real Christian character qualities are a constant. They're a lifestyle. They're not something we put up for show because we know somebody's watching. I think the great example, if you want an example of this in the Bible, was over there in John chapter 11 and Luke chapter 10 with a great story of Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha are inspirationally a picture of two types of Christians. Mary is always worshiping God. Martha is always working for God and looking around to see who's watching her. When Martha's out doing her thing and she thinks the Lord's not watching her, she says, hey, Lord, uh, I'm over here. Are you not seeing what I'm doing? <clears throat> you know, there's a lot of Christians like that. Mary, on the other hand, <clears throat> she's sitting at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know the greatest quality about sitting at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ? He can never miss where you're at. And Mary understood that. And there are two great examples, and I could go on this morning. But the real test of our walk with God is when we are faced with issues when others are watching us and we don't always see and know that they're watching. Romans chapter 14, 7. Oh, what a great, what a great chapter Romans chapter 14 is. But verse 7 says that no man liveth to himself and no man dieth to himself. In every given scenario of your life and my life, there's always somebody watching our lives. Your children are watching you how, you, how you handle things right now when they're little. It will be the forging outcome of how they deal with things in life as they get older. You know, I teach people the great principle of, in any scenario, of responding versus reacting. I think that's so key. When I react to something, it's spontaneous, usually in the flesh. It's based on an emotional knee-jerk reaction. Anger, when somebody says something and you get angry, that's a reaction. When somebody says something in harsh words and you say them back, that's a reaction. When somebody wants to pick a fight and you're willing to go into the fight, that's a reaction. See, bickering and all of the things, that's all reaction. And in some cases, no reaction is a reaction. 
Some people just can't stand confrontation, and they'll be in a situation where people will say something or do something. They'll never say something one way or the other. All that is reaction. Somebody says something to you, and you say something back. Somebody does something to you, and you do something back. You know, that's the first instinct that we have. Somebody makes a crack at us, and you want to make a crack back. That's reaction. You know, most marriages fundamentally the bottom line of their problems will be this very thing right here. They react instead of responding based on everything they do on a reaction mindset. And you know, I know this is true in my own world and I know it's true in you. You know what, guys? You know when you hit that point of, they call it in the military the point of demarcation. You're going to make an assault on a beach, and you get in your landing craft, and you circle for a while to everybody, softens up the beach with the artillery, and then you head into the beach. And there comes a point where you pass a line that you're not going back to the ship. That's the point of embarkation. And you'll hear the command at that point. Up to this point, they don't even let you load your weapons because they don't want you shooting each other. But up at that point, you're going to hit the beach. You get the command to lock and load. And that tells you that you are past the point of embarkation, and now you're going to go into a conflict. You know, in every marriage, there's a point of embarkation. In every relationship, there's a point of embarkation. There's a point where you'll just circle around for a while, but there comes to a point where you as the husband know, if I say the wrong thing now and react, we're going to go hit the beach. <laughs> we're locking and loading. The real key to any circumstance in life, whether it's marriage or whether it was just dealing with people, the real issue is to respond, not react. Respond is following the principles of Proverbs chapter 16, verse 20. One of the things that come along with understanding and wisdom, I'm not, saying there, I'm not telling you that there isn't times as a Christian, you don't have to take a stand and fight for things. But I am telling you, wisdom and understanding gives you the ability to pick your battles. Most problems come because of the wrong battles that we picked. Most problems come because we are in a mode that you say something to me, I'm going to say something back. You come home, you're tired, your wife says something to you, hits you the wrong way, you say something back to her. It hits her the wrong way because she's just as tired as you are, so she shows something back to you. Hey, you know what you just did? You're in that landing craft. You just passed the line and somebody just yelled, Lock and load! We're going in. And the battle starts. The Bible says, He that handleth a matter wisely. Responding is following the principles of the Word of God. Handling something the right way. When you respond, you have the biblical principles in your life, as Proverbs says. You know what the right thing is to do. Responding is allowing what somebody just said to you or did to you. To, instead of causing a reaction, the biblical principles act as a filtering process. By the time it works through those principles and gets to you, it takes the edge off that you don't react. You respond the right way. Understanding is not taking some things personal in your life. And that's a hard thing to do because we all like to take things personal. The key to not taking things personal is to have understanding. To realize why the person said what they said, love them enough to look beyond what they said, and tell the coxman who's driving the, the landing craft, turn this thing around, we're not going to the beach, we're going back to the ship. That's what responding is. Most people, oh, I shouldn't say most people, but we all know people in life who like to control people. When I have marital problems come in, I'm feeling a lot better now that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit of God. We may just stay here all day so I don't get sick again. You know, I was preaching. Some of you were with me back then when, this has been 35, 40 years ago. We were preaching in Emporia, Kansas on a on a, uh, uh, we went down to help a church down there, and we were having revivals at night. <clears throat> and after the first, second night, I completely lost my voice. I had three more nights to preach. 
And I had absolutely, completely lost. I couldn't say anything. And I didn't know what I was going to do. And I, I just told the Lord. I said, Lord, you know what? I said, you got us down here. I mean, I didn't lose my voice at a Chiefs game or a Royals game. I lost to doing your work. Now, if you didn't want me to preach hard like that, then you shouldn't have fired me up the way you did. But here I am. I got a preach tonight. You know what? I couldn't say a word. Got in that pulpit, prayed. My voice came back just like that. I preached the whole night. When I was done preaching, got off that pulpit, I couldn't say a word. That happened the next two nights to me. No, I'm not charismatic. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> that, my friend, is biblical healing. See? Nobody laid hands on me. I didn't speak in tongues. But it's a thing where God's Spirit, when He, you know, in the Bible, Whenever Jesus show up, nobody ever stayed dead. Did you notice that? Just one of those little things. You may be dead when he showed up. You, there can be no death in the presence of the Lord. And there can be no sickness in the presence of the Lord in a sense of that if you're up there, got something to do, man, and you're preaching, I mean, God just does it. I, I, I don't, I'm just glad he did. Now watch, I'm going to throw up over the front row here in just a minute to make God make his point. A lot of people like to control people. I, I'll get husbands and wives come in, you know, and they'll say, well, she, she'll say, he's just a control freak. He tries to micromanage and control everything that I do. I've known women who were worse than men. I've known women who, the, all they, when they, they go through three or four bad marriages, and all they ever do is pick men who they can run around and they can, they can lead around and control. We used to, I told you, we had a couple, they don't live across the street from us anymore, but she was a, I, I, I'm not saying, she she was a, she was, a, she, she was a lady that, and she had a little husband. And, and this guy, it was, it was typical. It was Mutt and Jeff. It was typical. And he had little sticky legs. He wore goofy shirts, and he wore white socks with dress shoes. Now, you know there's something really wrong with a guy who wears Bermuda shorts with white socks and black dress shoes. Okay. And, 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 and they're out there. And I would watch them. And I'd stand there. And she had this little chihuahua. And she was a, a rather large lady. She, I mean, she was big boned. I'm just saying it that way. And she had this little chihuahua. And she took this chihuahua out. And I would stand over there. And her husband would come out. And he'd walk around, you know. And, and, I, and, and she'd say, come on, potty. Come on, potty. Come on, potty. And that little chihuahua would look up at her. And he would dare not potty. I mean, he, and I, a couple of times, I was, I was, I'd say, come on, potty, come on, potty. And the husband looked over at her like, are you talking to me? She ran that little guy everywhere. There's some women like that. People sometimes like to control other people. Pastors many times, I'll be honest with you, pastors many times like to control their people in churches. They'll tell you what you can listen to, what you can't listen to. I've known pastors that, that if you listen to certain other preachers' tapes, they were all over you. And they, because they didn't want you thinking anybody knew the Bible more than they did. And yet most kids in the junior high knew the Bible more than they did. But sometimes people like to control people. Yet in a biblical sense, now hear me on, this is something else you probably want to write down. You never control people. But when you have wisdom and understanding through the principles of the Word of God, listen to me now, you learn to control situations for the glory of God. You don't control people, but you learn through the principles how to control circumstances so God always gets the honor and glory out of it. Not so you can win the fight. Let me tell you something. Nobody ever wins a fight. You don't want to win. Your goal should not be to win the fight. Your goal should be to win the brother. And when you want to control something, quit trying to control people and learn how the principles of the Word of God for the honor and glory of the Lord Jesus Christ to learn how to control the circumstances that God always gets the honor and glory. Hey, let me tell you something. Leadership. We talk about it all the time. I build leaders. That's what I do. That's my best thing that God has given me to do. Lead, uh, you know, leaders take control and lead. But leadership is the ability... Listen, leadership is the ability for you, through the wisdom and understanding, to lead out of a bad situation. Not lead deeper into it. Get yourself out of it. 
Romans 15, 1 says, Ye that are strong, not to bear the infirmities of the weak, and not to please ourselves. We as God's people should use the principles of the Word of God to fix things, not, not continue to break them. You know what? In any given situation, any problem, all it takes to really begin to fix it is just one person who wants to do what's right. You get both people to want to do what's right, you're in, man. And a child of God who has wisdom and understanding, he will never lose control of the situation. Because he wants God to get the honor and glory out of it. And he's going to realize that what he does, what he does, whether he responds or he reacts, is going to be the outcome of it. I call this, you've heard me say it many, many times, I call this being smarter than the problem. It takes two to have a fight. You remove yourself out of the conflict, you have one. You don't have one. A Christian with understanding and wisdom, what two incredible words here, will always be able to take any issue and put it into a biblical perspective. When it comes to problems, I just teach three fundamental little things. You probably want to write this down. Three little steps. First of all, identify the problem. Understand what it really is. Second of all, understand the problem. Third of all, then fix the problem. You see, identifying it is the key to understanding it, and understanding it is the key to fixing it. You follow those three things biblically, and you're going to fix things instead of breaking them. It's, the, it's our ability to take a very bad situation and develop it through the principles into a, a positive plan to solve it. It's the ability for you and me to be in a situation where somebody is angry, but you be able to dis disarm somebody from that anger who's fighting over something that, that has happened. Anger is a reaction in most cases. I'm not saying there isn't a, a, a sound biblical case for anger. There is. The Bible says that there, there has to be a cause behind your anger. Most anger is not, doesn't have a real legitimate cause with it. There's a great verse. In Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28, we use it all the time. It says, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. In the Old Testament, the cities were protected by the walls. The walls kept the undesirables from getting in. It was their protection. In the New Testament, you're likened to a building, a house, a city. This church is likened to a, a city. Jesus said, a city that is hid on a hill uh, 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 that cannot be hid because you see the lights turned on. Church is supposed to be a bunch of individual temples built into a city with all the lights turned on, Holy Spirit of God, that people can see. And he says that walls are our protection. Now, for you and for me, the walls that we build or based on Bible doctrine. It's our protection. We're protected from emotion. We're protected from reaction by the principles of the Word of God that dictate in your life and my life how I should respond to a situation versus how I should react to it. I will tell you, and you know this is true. I'm not telling you anything. You're all smart people here today. Our number one issue that we have that causes us to react instead of responding is our emotions. We emotionally react to something instead of biblically responding to it. And many times we get in trouble along with that because of tunnel vision. All we see is our immediate problem. All we see is our immediate crisis at hand. We can't see or begin to understand what God may be trying to do with the situation. Remember this. In any given situation, no matter what, there will be always something that you can do to fix it. Many times, if not almost every time, when a couple comes in and deals with me, I got a, I got a couple coming in next week that Chris Sabowski uh, works with her. And they're having some problems, and he gave her my phone number. She called. I want you to pray for this couple. And she called, and they're, they're, they got some issues, her and her, uh, her boyfriend, and they're not married. They have a child, you know, and, and they're going to come in next week, and I want to get an opportunity to talk with them. But I do it all the time. And, you know, they'll come in, and it, it's such a predictable thing. And I, and I love them because I want to help them. And I, I, know, I hate people that are struggling, especially when I know how easy it is to fix it. And they'll come in, and they'll always do the same thing. She'll lay out her side. He'll lay out his side. They'll feel like it's in, a, in an impasse. There's no way that it can't be reconciled. That's not true. 
but they're going to come in there and they're going to lay it out. And then almost without, without, almost every time, one of them will look at me after they've laid both sides out, you know, and my upstairs office looks like a battlefield with all the carnage over everything, you know. And they'll say to me, well, that's it. Is, do you think there's any hope for us? Or they'll say this, is there anything you think we can do? What do you think? What do I think? I think is there anything that you can do is never the question. In any given situation, folks, there's always something that you can do. You know what the real question is? Will you do what you need to do? The question is, is there not anything we can do? The question is, I'm feeling really good. I think I'm just going to stay around here for a while. The question is, will you do what you need to do based on the Bible? That's what I think. Now, we got camp coming up in a couple of weeks, a couple, about a month. It's coming up. I'm not sure when it is. I will be there, I promise you. We're going to talk the month before. And I'm going to talk to, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you some pointed questions. Do you really want your kid to be everything you want him to be? Now, what parent would not say yes? Do you want your kid to obey you, to love you, to do good in everything that he does or she does? Do you want them to be focused and do everything? And what parent would say no? And my next question is, how bad do you as the parent want to fix that? Don't put this on the kid. I know he has some responsibility in it, but the bottom line is, how bad do you? Now, if I had a worthless church, and it was a church of people who didn't care about things but God, I'd ask myself the same question. Do I want a church that loves the Bible and loves God? Yes, I do. Okay, Bob, you're the pastor, you're in charge. How bad do you want it? What are you willing to do to get the people that God has given you where they need to be? Because I'm ultimately responsible. Everything rises and falls on leadership. And I'll tell you how you start that. You preach the hell out of you. That's how you start. Amen. And then you bring it back to the Bible. You've got to get out of some things before you can get into some things. Amen. You know, that's the number one problem with most Baptist preachers. And I have a lot of problem with most Baptist preachers. Most Baptist preachers will stand up at the top of the stairs with you down at the bottom with your problems. And they will yell and scream at you to get up where they're at. They'll never think about walking down those stairs and putting their arm around you and walking you up those steps one at a time. And they're always a big deal about what you've got to give up. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you've got some problems in your life, there's probably some things that you have to give up. But you know where the tragedy is? I'm really feeling good now, Drake. Keep it going, buddy. You know where the real problem is? They'll scream and yell for you to give up things, but they'll never give you anything to replace what you're giving it up with. And then they get mad at you because you don't make it. They get mad at you and, and castigate you because your marriage fails. My job is not only to get the bad things out of your life, my job is to put some really good things in your life after we get the bad stuff out. I keep feeling this way. I might be able to play that guitar here in just a few minutes. <clears throat> From a Bible standpoint, in the Old Testament, there were grounds for divorce. You gave a wife, a husband found some uncleanness in her, he could legitimately, under the Moses law, Moses for the hardness of their heart, he could give her a bill of divorcement. We as God's people use that in such a easy way today to get out of a marriage relationship. Let me tell you something. There may have been grounds in the Old Testament for a divorce, a bill of divorcement, but there are no grounds in the New Testament for a divorce. There is a bill of divorcement, but you get that from your lawyer, not from God. You see, the reason why in the New Testament there's no grounds for divorce, because God thought for sure there would be no reason, no problem, no issue that two people could not work out. Some of you got pro I said this Thursday night, some of you got problems with other Christians. We talked about this Thursday night with one of your questions. And I understand sometimes they're legit. 
But you know that that person's saved and you're saved. You have to spend an eternity together. You think you'll get along then? Well, you will, in case you haven't figured that out. You know why you will? Because you'll have everything that God wants you to have, and you'll have the mind of Christ. And in that day, you'll be able to do it. How ridiculous it is. You have all that right now, and you can't do it. See where the problem lies? The reason why you have no grounds for divorce, but you have reason for divorce, comes back to what we're talking about. One or both parties simply won't do what they need to do. And in time, through the process, you try to get them to that point. Now look at verse 20, the middle part. Here's another great concept most people fail to see. When you handle a matter wisely, you'll find the good. Now look at that. You know, there's something that is good in everything that we go through. No matter how bad it is, there's a lesson in it. Romans 8.28 says, when we know that all things, uh, uh, all things, together, all things work together uh, uh, to, to them that love God, uh, who are called according to His purpose. All things work together for good. You know what? And we know. No, we don't know that. We should know that. All things work together for good. Everything. We talked about Thursday night, the book of Job, how the, what he went through. But there was good in it. There's an old saying that you don't hear it much, but you older folks will understand it. Never throw the baby out with the bathwater. How many heard that? I guess I got that verse when I was young, and I quit giving my kids a bath because I didn't want to violate that Bible principle. <laughs> what it means is this. You wash the baby in a tub. The dirt comes off. You're going to throw it out, but you not only throw the water out, you accidentally throw the baby out. In other words... Just because you got the dirt in the same tub with something that's good, the baby, you don't throw them both out. There's lessons in everything that we go through. That's why I never, never look down on you for making mistakes. I never look down on you, no matter what it is, no matter what happens in your life. I, I don't care. We all make mistakes. We all have a history. People like to sometimes point out other people's history. That's because you don't want somebody looking at your history. We all got a history. Your list is no better than mine, and mine is no better than yours. We all got problems. And whatever in life comes your way, whether it's your fault or not, when you handle it wisely, biblically, respond to it and not react to it, then you'll see the good that comes out of it. In any tough time, don't miss what God is trying to do. In any tough time, you want to write what I'm about to say down. In any tough time, don't miss what God is trying to do. You got your salvation through His suffering on the cross. You get your teaching from Him and learning from Him and wisdom from Him by the sufferings you go through bearing His cross. Doesn't come any other way. In 45 years of dealing with people, I'd say that probably 98% of the issues could have been solved in four, five, six weeks, or at least well on their way to being fixed, if they just would follow Proverbs chapter 16, verse 20. But they just drag it out, get that short-term problem, expand into a long-term issue. You know, one of the things, and I, I'll be very honest with you, I have a real disdain for quote-unquote Christian counseling. You know, the professional guys you go to that are so interested in you right up to when your insurance runs out. In professional world of counseling, their goal is to, is to deal with your issue and to keep you coming as long as they can. Or as I said, until your assurance runs out. It's amazing how, how many times that you've got this big problem and he's got to see you and see you and see you for 60 bucks an hour and then suddenly the day you tell him your insurance runs out, you're cured. Congratulations. You see, that's how they make their living. They make their living off of your problems. I call them bottom feeders. That's a southern term that's not very flattering. 
in the Bible, you get the person out of their problem as quickly as you can. Let me tell you something. There's no profit for you wallowing in what you're dealing with when you have a book that will help you get out of it as quickly as you can. The Bible way, there's no money involved, so there's no alternative motive. No alternative, oh, there shouldn't be. No alternative motive. I don't do what I do because it's the way I make my living. I do what I do because it's my way of life. We as God's people take what God has given us, freely give, freely receive, you freely give. Listen, whatever issue you find yourself in, whether it's your fault or not, there will always be a way out of it. But you have to handle the matter wisely. You can't do it your way. That's what got you in the problem in the first place. You've got to handle the matter wisely. You know what? All I do in helping people is just simple, three simple things. It looks complicated. It sounds complicated. I know we go through a lot of stuff in the people ministry, but you boil it all down. When you work with somebody who's got issues, you just simply add three needed ingredients to their issue. One, you add wisdom to it because they don't have any. Two, you add understanding to it because they can't see it. And three, you add perspective to it. When you give them wisdom, they'll see the problem. When you give them understanding, they'll understand the problem. They'll get it. And when you give them perspective, now they see how to fix it. It's just that simple. Not complicated. Now look at verse verse 20, the last part of the verse. Whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. Now that's a great thing to think about and ponder. Hey, I know a lot of people that would argue with you and me all day long that they trust in the Lord, yet they're the most miserable people you ever met in life. There's no victory in their life. There's no happiness. They're not, many of them are not even in church today. But they would argue with you all day long. Oh, I trust the Lord. I trust the Lord. You see, the key word is understanding. Understanding that happiness in life are based, is not based on my standard of how I see it, but it's based on trusting God from His standpoint, how He sees it. That's why so many of God's people are not fulfilled and happy in their lives. They want everything on their terms. Oh, I trust the Lord as long as I get what I want the way I want it. There's no happiness in that. You can go through life and trust God your way and not be happy, or you can trust God His way and always be happy. Here again, it's your choice. You get to choose. Now, in Proverbs, our great book, the definitive passage on Proverbs chapter 16, verse 20, the last part of that verse, trust in the Lord, happy is he, will be Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, where he says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. There's the key. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In In all your ways, lean not. Under your own understanding. That's what got us in the mess we're in. Every problem I got in in my life, every problem that I will get in in the future of my life will simply go back to me putting my understanding of the situation over God's understanding of the situation. Now look at verse 21. The wise in heart shall be called prudent. And the sweetness of the lips increases learning. Oh, that's a great one. What a great thought. Wow. The wise in heart shall be called prudent. Let me ask you a question. What do people call you? That's a loaded question, I understand. (laughs) As a Christian, what are you known to people as? I I think the greatest compliment on earth for you is when I deal with somebody and I'm working with somebody and somebody has, you know, going through some things and I say, okay, you know what? I'm going to put some people around you or I'm going to put a girl around you or a gal around you. I'm going to put this person around. And you know what? They ask for you by name. They say, could I have so-and-so? There have been many of uh, people that, that, like the little girl we just moved down here from Nebraska, and, you know, she wanted to get down here and get into the Word of God. And she was up there without a church, without anything going on. But she knew, she knew and remembered Nikki Halliburton, Nikki Brown now, Nikki Brown. She knew there was a name she could call. 
There's people that I work with, and they'll simply say, hey, would so-and-so be able to disciple me? Would so-and-so be able to take me through this, do this? They ask for you by name. I, I think that's the most incredible testimony to where you're at with God. I think that is the greatest compliment on earth for you. And it's, it's one of those things that when I deal with somebody and they call for you by name, hey, as God's people, we should be examples and in samples to others of the faith that we have. I'm going to tell you something. Some of your personal lives are a great example for the younger Christians in our church. They really are. Some of you men and women in this church, some of you couples, your life is a great testimony for the young guys and gals that come in. When I say young, I mean in their 20s and the, are the new people that come. They've been out there and maybe been booted around in the church, got no place to go. Nobody really thinks they care for them. And they come here and they see you and you love on them. You, they see your relationship and what God is doing with you. And they want that. Do you know why people go out to the world? You know why they gravitate to people who smoke dope or smoke cigarettes or go out and party uh, on Friday and Saturday night? You know why young kids growing up your age, you singles, gravitate to that? Because they've never had anybody in their life ever give them a real, quality, consistent, Christian walk, relationship example that they say, I'd rather have that than the world. And I'll be honest with you, they're either going to get the world or they're going to get God. And if you think that it's my preaching that turns the corner, you're wrong. If you think it's Bob Alexander on Thursday night answering all your Bible questions, you're wrong. You got the first one Thursday night, by the way. If you think it's me up here, is you're wrong. You know where it starts? It starts with everyone. I'm really feeling good now, so we're in it. Hang on now. It starts with every one of you in the seat that you're sitting in this morning, letting the love and light of God shine through you, and somebody says, I want what they've got. I'm a nothing. You don't have to say amen to that. <laughs> I'm not the key here. You are. God can replace me in a heartbeat. We could never replace you. We could never replace the men and women in this church who let God use them. I don't go to work with you tomorrow. I don't see you in your neighborhood. I don't see you where you work. It's your light shining that people see. No man liveth to himself and no man dieth to himself. Your name is prudent. People see you. They see your life. Some of your marriages are absolutely impeccable testimonies of young couples of what a marriage should be. Some of your kids, they're absolutely the perfect model for what you want your kids to be when they grow up. They'll be out there on the street this afternoon. They'll be going to camp. And yeah, they'll learn some lot. But they will help me do what I need to do with all the other kids there. Your ability to give and to work with others. Your success with people. Your ability to help them. And people ask for you. Listen. There's good in all of our problems. You may not see it today. You may be so far into it and so struggling with it. Hey, I get it. But I'm here for you. But I'm telling you, there's good in your problem. And you will, when, when you fix it right and you learn from it and you get wisdom from it, you're invaluable. You know how you're invaluable? You're invaluable because down the line, God will use you to help somebody else that's going through exactly what you're going through right now. And when you get the victory, when you get a handle on it, when God gives you what you need, look around you today. Look in front, look in back. Turn your head. Don't look behind you right now. Everybody look behind you. Now look to the left. Look to the right. Pat the person on the head in front so I know you're paying attention. Let me tell you something. Everybody in this church, when you came in, you had problems. Everybody. Everybody, when you came in here, you had issues. Everybody. Look what God has done with you. People see that. What's your name? Your name is Prudent. People see it. 
They want what you got. Your name is prudent. What a great word. It means cautious. It means diligent. It means circumspect. It means wise in a practical sense. When others are jumping in and making mistakes and doing goofy things, you've learned to prove all things. Follow the pattern that God has set. Not trying to create your own. You use truth and wisdom. I look around at this church and I'll see some of you who, most of you, I couldn't do what I do without you. I know I don't tell you enough. Most pastors want to take all the credit and think that the fact that the church is what it is because of him. What a sorry state of mind that is. This church is what it is because of you. And I look around you and I'll see some of my key people that, that I just love, that just do everything. And the older I get, the less I can do. And the more you jump in and you do it. Starts with my own family and then it works right on down the line. But you know what I also think about? I'll see 10 or 15 of you out there. Guys, gals, couples. I'll see 10, 15 of you out there that maybe one person in this church over the course of four or five years invested in your life to build you where you're at today. I've got some of you couples that you look across this church and there's eight or nine couples that are in here that are solid today because you spent time with them every week and invested in them. I've got some of you singles that you've taken people, uh, you know, that you've helped them and worked with them and, and you've you brought them along and they had trouble just like you did. And you know why you were so good? Because, yes, you all had problems. I all I have problems. But you learned the good in your problem. And now the good comes out of it is you can help somebody else. And the best part of it is that you're willing to do it. And God used you. Your name is Prudent this morning. You're Prudent. And yet, you know as well as I do, you'll have people that you start to work with. I, I have this all the time. We had a lady one time, a husband and wife, it's been years ago, but they in this church. And she had some real problems. She's nuts. Let's just put it that way. She's nuts. <laughs> she has some real issues. Husband's a nice guy. She was a nice lady, but she was just off the wall emotionally. And I tried to help her. And it was one of those things where I got so sick and tired. I must have put... Ten of you ladies, and if you remember this situation, keep your mouth shut. But I, I, I must have put 10 or 11 with you ladies with her. Every other week, somebody go to work with, try to help her. They'd come over. She'd say, I don't like so-and-so. She, she just, she's not, she's, we just don't have a good match. Put her somebody else. A couple weeks later, well, I don't like this person either because, you know, they just don't, they don't understand my problem. Now I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, these are the best ladies I got. These ladies have worked with 8 or 9, 10, 12, 15 different ladies. And they all turn out good. Now I got one lady who just can't get along. I, finally, they left the church. And I think it was probably something I said. Her and her husband came over for the 11th time to complain. And I, and I, and I, I was nice and I'm kind. Because I, I want to help people. But I, I get a limit, man. Especially when it's, I'm very protective of you guys. And when I got you working for me and I got a string of 12, 15 people that you've solid with and then some goofy person comes in, male or female, and says, well, I just don't like that person. When 15 other people were right and now they're all wrong because you don't even go there with me. But I think it was what I said. I looked and she came in again. Well, you know, and her husband, he was already looking for some fight, I think. I, you know, and I, I'll be honest with you. I was not... I was in the flesh. I had no reason to disarm this guy at this point. I, I figured I picked my battle. In fact, I heard as they walked up the steps, the Holy Spirit of God say, Lock and load! I knew we were going in. <laughs> so anyway, she starts the same song and dance. And I let her go. And he's looking at me. He wants my response, you see, because he wants me to put with somebody else. And I just said, well, I said, you know what? I said, I, I don't know what to do for you. I said... I'm out of ladies. <laughs> I said, you've ran through every good woman I've got. I don't have anybody left. She took offense to that. 
I think she finally got the message that I was trying to say. Problem is not us, problem is you. They left the church. I don't know where they're at today. But it better be a big church because it needs a lot of women. <coughs> a lot of women. Look at the last part of verse 20, uh, 20, uh, 21. Bible says in Proverbs chapter 31, verse 23, talking about the virtuous woman, it says, Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders. Now, historically, that means that this virtuous woman was such a good woman that the whole city knew how good her husband was based on how good she was. Now, let's put it in a practical application. Jesus Christ is your bridegroom. Is your husband. Do the people in this town know how good he is by the virtue that comes out of you and me? Does our lives make people talk about my bridegroom? That's a good verse, man. And the sweetness of the lips, verse 21, last part, and the sweetness of the lips increases learning. How you use wisdom, what you say will actually encourage others to learn. What a defining verse that is on people who really don't want to learn, the unteachables. When you use the Word of God, its principles, you help others. It encourages others, and it increases their ability to learn if they're teachable. Hey, teachable people want to learn like a hungry man who hasn't eaten in three weeks. That's, you want to write that down. That is the key for understanding teachable. A teachable person will just take everything you can give them and want more. An unteachable will take everything you give them and complain. There it is. Mostly behind your back to other people, but there it is. There it is. There it is. Now, don't misunderstand me. You have the Word of God, its principles, to help others. But don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. When it comes to my preaching, I never want you to get comfortable. I never want you to get comfortable. Now, a lot of pastors do. They don't want to rock the boat. They think if you make people mad, they'll leave. I've learned that people that need to leave are the ones you make make to make mad, so go ahead and do it. But I, I never want you to be comfortable with my preaching. I never do. You know, and I don't say what I say here. I, you know, I don't, I'm not like a lot of preachers. A lot of preachers want to control your life. I don't want to control your life, but I would like to give you the Word of God so you could take control of your own life. It's just a lot less work for me. But I do create, I do want to create a comfortable atmosphere for you to learn the Bible if you choose to. I want to make it easy. I want to make it as fun as I can. We do a lot of fun things around here. We laugh a lot. We make fun of each other. We make fun of me. I make fun of you. Me and Will are going at it all the time. <laughs> he had a pair of shoes he wore one time that he never worn since. I felt bad about them shoes. <laughs> he had a pair of shoes one time he had. They were the god-awfulest shoes you ever saw in your life. And we were someplace. I think it was the 4th of July at your place last year. That's where it was. You're going to have another party this year? I'd love to come back. But anyway, <laughs> I sat there and I kept looking at them shoes. They were, the, they were the ugliest shoes on the planet. And I asked him, I said, how crippled was that guy that you chased down to beat him up to steal his shoes? He never wore those shoes again. But we, we see, we laugh with each other. He gets me all the time. We get each other all the time. It's fun. You know what's wrong with most of God's people? They take themselves too seriously. You know what's wrong with most preachers? They take themselves too seriously. Now, some of you like to call me pastor. That's fine. Really, it is. I, I, I got to tell you, when you call me pastor, I look over my shoulder to see who's standing behind me. My name is Bob. No, I appreciate calling me pastor. I really do. Sam does it. I love Sam. Sam's my hero. He's my first sergeant in our church. I love Sam. Good veteran. Love him to death. And the little gal that he's bringing, she's a sweetheart too. Sam, I don't know how you ever did, but you did good. I just want to tell you that. <laughs> but, and, and some of you do. And I love you for it. And I appreciate it. But you know what? And I do it because you do it out of it. But I learned a long time ago, there's no respect in a title. There really isn't. I'm just like you. 
some guys like to be called Reverend. They put it in front of them, and they're checks, Reverend. Wherever they go, my name is Reverend Alexander. Somebody says, you a Reverend? I said, no, I'm a Reverend, but thank you very much. <laughs> I smell sabaka. <clears throat> I want to make it easy for you to learn the Bible. You have total access to me. Most churches, you want to talk to the pastor, you can't approach him afterwards. He's got this aurora around him, kind of like a force field from Star Trek II. You know, you get your fingers burned when you touch it. You want to call him, you've got to get a hold of his secretary. Her name would be Martin Borman. She controls access to the Fuhrer. you got my cell number. Call me. If I miss you, I'll call you back. If I don't call you back, because I don't want to talk to you. I want this place to be a fun place. I want it to be comfortable for those who really want to learn. Hey, learning the Bible is not hard. It's finding people who want to learn that is really hard. But when I find them, I just give them everything I can give them. And I'll be very honest with you, God has just blessed us with an overabundance of men and women who come in who want to learn the Bible. I don't care what your problems are. I don't care where you've been. I don't care where you're at right now. I care where do you want to go what you want to do. I'll put that book right out there where you can get it, if you want it, anybody. You want to come? Come. You don't want to come? Don't come. Some of you, you know, you wouldn't miss church for anything on this planet. Some of you, you know what? you got other stuff that comes up. Do what you want to do. I promise you I will be here every Sunday morning and every Thursday night, and I will be here when you need me. You want to learn it? You'll get it. If you don't, you won't. I will kick the Bible out and lay it out. I will not set the priorities in your life for you learning it. You have to do that yourself. I've got everything you need. You've got to know you need it. I want you to feel the freedom to ask. Learn whatever you want about anything without being fearful of getting beat up or clobbered. A teachable spirit is what I'm always looking for. Give you all you got from the Bible. We're here to help you, not hurt you. I said it many times. You may hurt yourself, but we'll never hurt you. My desire is to get you to the place and fulfill one of the greatest verses in the Bible on a teachable spirit. It's found in Proverbs 27, 7, and it simply says this. The full soul loatheth the honeycomb, but to the hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. You'll either be for the world and the Bible will be your rejection to you or you'll be so hungry for truth that you take everything, even the things about you that need to change, become sweet for you. There's a sermon together and go by that three or four of you don't come up and say, man, you really gave it to me this morning. And before I can even answer, you'll say, but man, I love you for it because that's what I needed. Amen. See, you've got to that point in your life. Hey, when you trust, obey, grow, learn God's way, it's all sweet. And once you get to that point in your life that the things about you that need to be changed become the sweet things, hey, your ability to learn goes off the chart. And then verse 22. Understanding is a wellspring of life unto him that hath it but the instruction of fools is folly. I don't know if you ever studied it or not, but there's two kind of wells in the Bible. There's the fresh water springs that people can drink from, and then there's the bitter water that's undrinkable. Which are you? You are which one today based on the choices you've made, based on the wisdom you've allowed in your life, based on the mistakes that you've made, and your ability or inability to, to learn from them, grow through them. And get to where God wants you to be, wellspring of life. What a great choice of words to illustrate our life after we get to the place that all the Bible is sweet. And we get encouraged to increase our learning. There's some things in the Bible that are very negative, but to me, they're sweet. I'll tell you what. There was a time in my life, no matter what state I'm in or how messed up I am, that I don't know that it's the best advice I could ever get. 
And I never get mad at God or a person or a Christian or a preacher who lays it out to me and shows me what I need to change. I may not at that moment in time be willing to change it, but I am not so stupid that I get bitter against it. I know I got the problem, not the book. Wisdom and understanding is like cold spring well water to a thirsty soul. The understanding of God and His Word that, that comes from the depth of our Christian life. And that's where spring water and well water comes. It's not surface water. You've got to dig down deep in the rock. The Bible doctrine, deep. It's not a surface Christianity where I just want the surface things of Christianity. It's getting down deep where the real water is. That really what people need. The deep things of God, our, our ability to discern, to understand, to get the perspective, to see the purpose, to see the good of any situation. The end of that verse says, but the instruction of fools is folly. When I deal with people, I'm not so naive by any stretch of the imagination. I know that there are people who will, will play games, They'll use you. They'll complain about you. They'll not do what's right. I get that. But I got to tell you, I always look for the good in something. Because in this world of stupidity, with a lot of people who don't want to be taught, I want to tell you something, there are still a lot of people who want to be taught and learn the Word of God. And we have a tendency when we see a bad person over here who is not teachable and a good person over here who is teachable, but in the early days they both have the same issues. It's just easy to throw them on the same trash heap. You never find out what a person is really like by just focusing on all the bad things in their life. Now listen to me. You never really find out what a person is really like by just always looking at the negative. You've got to look beyond that, and you've got to see the good that's in there. And when you see it, you've got to help develop it. When I see somebody who has got the potential, but is just messed up because of stupidity of making bad choices, who am I? You want to see stupidity of bad choices? Look at me. But they've got great potential, and they want to learn. I always focus on the good I see and try to develop it. I'll prove all things, of course. I'll put them under an accountability, absolutely. But if they have a teachable spirit, I'll teach them. You know, Romans chapter 12, each chapter in Romans has a different theme about it. And Romans chapter 12 is the Christian's relationship with other people. It's a great chapter on the Christian life and how we are to treat people. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. You'll probably know the great two verses, but probably never put it in the right context. It says that we're to be a living sacrifice. And we're, to, we're not to be conformed to this world. It will prove that what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. You see, it starts out when it talks about our relationship to other people. The first thing that people should see when they see you and me is a living sacrifice. That's the first thing they should see. A living sacrifice that proves what is that good and acceptable, perfect, and will of God. They should, because there's people out there who are despondent. There's people out there that are hurting. There's people out there that have been beat up, run up, burn up with other churches that have just treated them terrible. There's people out there that really are good people who want to learn. They're just looking for a place that somebody will give them what they really want. And it all starts with you being a living sacrifice. Proving what God has done in your life by how you live. It's a great chapter that tells us not to be revengeful, which many of God's people are. It tells us to recompense no man with evil, which many of us do. It tells us to provide all things honest in the sight of all men. And it tells us not to be wise in our own conceit when we look at other brothers and sisters in Christ. But it says in chapter 12, verse 21, what a great verse. Be not overcome with evil. And some people, unfortunately, are. But overcome evil with good. Focus on the good that is in somebody. 
I could spend all day long focusing on what's bad with all of us. I'd much rather focus on what's good about you. I can, we can overcome the bad if we just over focus on the good. How do you know that, Bob? Because be not overcome with evil, but you overcome evil with good. Everybody here today who is where God wants you to be and you're doing what you're doing in the ministry, you all got here because somebody took an interest in you when you were not very interesting. And that's what we're to do. Sometimes all people need is a chance to do right in the right environment with the right things in place. And somebody that will, will help them, encourage them, keep them accountable. Our job is to take them where we find them. And if they're teachable, that's the key. Then we encourage them with the sweetness of the Word of God in our mouths and help them to get where God wants them to be. And in time, they will develop into a wellspring of life telling others what God has done for them. You see... You definitely want to write this down. Christianity in the ministry. Are you ready? Christianity in the ministry is not just about attitude of heart. It's also about gratitude of heart. Real witnessing is not telling somebody what God can do for them. That's so impersonal. Real witnessing is simply telling somebody what God has done for you. Well, so far in this great practical chapter, last week and this week, we've seen that life is choices. We've seen the highway of life, spirit of pride, spirit of humbleness, Today we learn how to handle all matters with God's wisdom. We learn to look and find the good in every bad thing that comes our way to see what God has us to learn that we can be better for it. We saw that we have a testimony with others that see God in our lives, our marriage, our family, and then want what you and I have. Greatest Greatest witness we have. Our lives, the way we use wisdom to encourage others to learn and getting the understanding of God that is likened to a deep wellspring, sweet water, clear and clean, that leads to life. In people who are unsaved, it leads to eternal life. In people who are already saved, it leads to a full, productive life based on the, the Word of God, the water of life. Well, we'll hold up there. This is the